All right, the 49ers defeat the Rams 24-9 on Monday Night Football. Did the 49ers prove that they are what they still are, the best team in the NFC West? And um, my guy Ryan is here on the show joining us right now, okay? And uh, Ryan, I know you're a 49ers fan. Are they still the best team in the NFC West? Talk to me. Bang, bang, not a game, baby. Bang, bang, not a game. With that being said, you know, not trying to be biased. Yes, they are the best team in the NFC West. The most, the ironic thing, I'm going to go ahead and say this and get this out of the way early. And I really have said this plenty of times. And sometimes in, in life, even Stephen A and everybody says it. Sometimes you got to have a change of heart. You know, you can't, you got to take what's given to you and you got to take it with ease. So when I say this, I'm going to say this because of my change of heart somewhat. Jimmy G is the right quarterback for this team. I know this is weird and crazy for everyone. You know, Trey Lance is a guy that was young and promising. I think he was kind of like in life, you know how you like you pick something. It's like you have you have your your new girlfriend and your ex boo. But sometimes you may know your ex boo knows you more because you've been with her for so long. But your new boo is your new love, your, your new whatever. So you got to make that work. Like, no matter if she knows everything, your ex-boo may say, he may like this, or she may like have a male or female. And you just got to go with it because you went with it and you and you, you made that choice. So you're stuck with it. You're lying it. That's what happened to Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan likes those quarterbacks he can groom and control. You know, I don't think Kyle Shanahan really wants an elite quarterback. When I say that part, I'm saying that, like, even if you'd have went and tried to make a trade for an elite quarterback, he would have had to give up the form. So meaning, like, they probably the defense wouldn't be as stout as it is if he got an elite quarterback. They probably asked for pieces. Any team giving up a patch of Mahomes, let's say for example, they're not saying it's going to have Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers at this moment, or even Josh Allen right now, or Justin Herbert. You know, you're going to give up a lot just to get that quarterback. Yeah, you get your elite quarterback, but you're going to lose a lot too with it. So – Jimmy G was the perfect scenario. At any day, Jimmy G didn't have um. Jimmy G didn't get the playbook. Jimmy G had surgery during the off season. And people, let me refresh the people for um. In the huddle podcast, right here, real quick, real live, so I can not. I'm not going to ramble. I'm gonna call this raw thoughts here. Um. People understand the significance of changing the playbook. Oh my God, he was there last. Year. He should know. No, no, no. Every quarterback has a certain system, and the OTAs voluntarily volunteer. OTAs. Sometimes you may get a whole new playbook, throw the one you had out last year, depending on the style of quarterback you got. Trey Lance was a quarterback. Trey Lance, Jimmy G are two different style of quarterbacks. So what they did was we're going in with Trey Lance. We're going to respect you, Jimmy G, and we're going to find a trade partner for you with all due respect. We're not going to do you dirty, but we're going to let you be on the sideline, heal. Even if you have surgery, we're going to let you heal. Let you and your agent find somebody. Apparently that didn't happen. So now you got OTAs. You're going with a whole new playbook under Trey Lance. Everything is out the door. They got read options. They got they got design runs that you ain't gonna run with with Jimmy G with the team. So now you have a whole different playbook. You didn't get the playbook. You didn't get nothing. They was already in trade mode to trade you. And now, okay, we'll bring you back under the senator plan. You still ain't really got the playbook like that. Then bam. Trey Lance gets hurt. Now you get thrown in there just like pretty much freelance, like playground football. And now you're half the lights. Kyle Shanahan said, I threw away all – he said in an interview, I threw away my whole playbook when Jimmy G got there because I wasn't expecting that. So he had to um, pretty much ditch everything that he knew based upon Trey Lance to bring in Jimmy G. 
Now everybody's getting back in the rhythm of the old offense from last season. Maybe some more added to it. Who knows? Best gift and the curses. I hate Trey Lance got hurt. But I think the best situation, the 49ers in win now mode, we don't necessarily have time to hope and predict that we'll get to the playoffs off of Trey Lance. Let's say if he goes okay the next six, seven games, he and goes groom. okay. He's not and, great. And right. groom him. Like, you don't got time to groom. Like, Right. I get You're trying to win now. So, for me, raw thoughts at the end of that, that little fiasco I just said, the 49ers are, and they are, the best team in the NFC West. One, because of the defense. Two, because they got a playmaker, Debo Sammy, if you got a handoff throw to him. And three, I just think right now in the moment, whether we like it or not, he's not elite, but Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback for this situation because you're not going you're not gonna get an elite quarterback walking in the room anytime soon. So you got to take what you got. Yeah, I, I'm going to keep my take short here. I know this is my guy team here, so I'll let him go, you know, pass them over here. And listen, you know, I think for me to keep it real short, I agree with a lot of what he said, you know, especially when it comes to Jimmy G. I think he's been the most disrespected quarterback in the NFL, period. You know, I said it before on the record. I'm sure I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to continue to say it again because, you know, he was kind of like threw up to the side, like, yo, not even practicing with the team, you know, just almost like he was trash. Like he didn't come over here and help Cal Shanahan turn this team into a contender that made the Super Bowl. And I get he had his flaws and all that, but I just think when you have a guy like Jimmy G, fast release, quick release, it's built to get the ball to Debo Samuel, the return of the yak. And the fact that, like Ryan pointed out, you had a whole different playbook. You was running a whole different offense, and yet you had to throw it away, and Jimmy G had to adjust, plus he had the shoulder surgery, like, that's a real thing. The fact of the matter is they two and two and he's starting to get in the rhythm. I think it was the best case scenario. And when you talk about Debo Samuel and that catch that I thought was the biggest play of the game, 57 yard catch that he just said, you know, I'm taking this to the end zone. Like I did not think that play was going to go for a touchdown. And it did. That's because that's the type of way he plays. And the fact of the matter is when you talk about his stats, according to pro football focus or next gen, excuse me, there's nobody that has more yards after the catch since 2019 than Debo Samuel. That's meant for Jimmy G. That's meant to get the ball out to that guy and let him make a play. Not to mention the defense that might be the best in the conference. I like Philly. I like them. This defense is going to carry them and Debo is going to carry them. So the only concerns that I would have with this team, and yes, to answer the question, they are the best team in the NFC, is the fact that the matter is they need to remain healthy. Something happened to Debo. I'm not sure if I feel good about this team anymore. <laughs> and that's what's going to be the big thing for me is how is Kyle Shanahan going to manage Debo as a wide back, a halfback, right? With the Elijah Mitchell injury, or are they going to continue to feed Jeff Wilson and give him some snaps from time to time because you don't want him hurt because that's the end for me. Like you need him there. And my last point, and I'll let Zach get in here. I think when you talk about Jimmy G and Jacoby Brissett, both quarterbacks took something from Tom Brady. When they was on the Patriots together. You notice Jacoby Brissett is one of the best quarterback sneakers in the league. When it comes to the quarterback sneak. He got that from Brady. Brady was the best. You know how Jimmy Garoppolo has his fast release. He got that from Brady. Brady's the best at that. So both quarterbacks are taking some of the little nuances that they took from the GOAT. And are using it right now in their current situations. Yeah, I think the thing with the 49ers that's so fascinating is there is no doubt that this team right now is better uh, with Jimmy G, G than Trey Lance. But I wonder with Jimmy G if their ceiling this year is any different. And I, it's crazy because, yeah, Kyle Shanahan owns 
Sean McVay. And last year, if it wasn't for a dropped interception in the mm. NFC Championship game. Don't remind me. Don't so, remind me. <laughs> yeah, they would have gone to the Super Bowl. You know, Brian. <laughs> I'm sorry. I yeah, right, know. right. But my thing with the 49ers, and I, I, was, I told Will this during the game, I think their defense is elite. You have a sick pass rusher in Nick Bosa. Ryan, this kid who funga, I mean, oh my God, I think he is going to be an absolute monster. Uh, a fifth round pick, reading that play uh, to Cooper Cup, uh, of course, uh, uh, on the pick six, that was another play that I think uh, secured the game for San Francisco. But that kid's a stud. Uh, Jimmy Ward is out, so he'll be coming back. Warner's a beast, obviously. Kinlaw didn't even play. Trent Williams didn't even play on the offensive line. And still, the 49ers, uh, really, the game wasn't really close. They kind of pushed the Rams around. And I think what's interesting about the 49ers it feels like they're at their best. And I'll say this about Jimmy G too. When their backs are against the wall, you know, they come off the bad performance against Denver. And I agree. I didn't penalize them too badly for losing that game, even though Denver has struggled. The Broncos in September in Denver, that's a very tough place to play. Their defense, as you said, Ryan, is really good at top five defense. And I know everyone was clowning on them because Jimmy G pulled the Dan Orlovsky running out of the end zone and their offense <laughs> couldn't really get going. But I do believe in this team. And as much as I like the 49ers, I'm starting to realize I'm out on the Rams. I think we're finally seeing a team that is wreaking the cautions of trading all of their first round picks for the last few years. And I know like Matthew Stafford is one of the most bizarre quarterbacks I've ever seen because he's a great guy. His teammates love him. He's a former number one overall pick. He has all the physical attributes. He has a sick arm and uh, you guys know when it comes to the quarterback position, I usually like the guys with the big arms that could sling it. And Matthew Stafford fits that category. And for the first part of his career, really up until he got to L.A., I wanted to think that, oh, he was just on a bad team with the, with the Detroit Lions. And if you surround him with uh, good and better talent and good coaching, he'll be able to come through for you. But even with Sean McVay, a coach I really respect, a guy that I think is a top five coach in the league, he's changed his philosophy a little bit. He, when he first got to the league and he had a healthy Todd Gurley, he was just running the ball 30 times a game. But now with Matthew Stafford, he's kind of pivoted to that pass first approach. And I just don't know if it's sustainable because A, the Rams can't run the ball. Their offensive line is in shambles. And when I see that, I immediately red flag a team. And two, when you like, they're very predictable and I, I'm just, I'm out on the Rams and Stafford just, he throws way too many interceptions. That's, that's the issue. You know, that pick six, it's, it wasn't good. And we saw it at times last year, they were able to get through it, but I just don't think this roster as a whole is good enough as it was last year. I think I for me, and it's like, Oh, go ahead. Just real quick. We had a stat for thought. You talk about the amount of interceptions that Matthew Stafford throws you know, um, right now he's leading the league in interceptions. And last year he was tied for the lead. Ultimately, they won the Super Bowl that year. But if my man's on the 49ers, I always forget his name, no matter how many Kowalski times. Tart. Tart. If, if Mr. Tart, Pop Tart, whatever caught that ball, yeah. right, that interception, <laughs> the game was a wrap. And that would be the right. headline. That would be the right. headline that Matthew Stafford, he leaves the Lions, go to the Rams, and he botched the Super Bowl. That would be the headline if one man was not wearing gloves and the daggone don't. So you see how narratives can change. And look, I never want to take anything away from a team that goes through the gauntlet of a schedule when it comes to the NFL and the physical toe and winning Super Bowl and call it luck. But let's be real here. Luck is a factor. And I hate the fact that people try to downplay luck in the form of success. Like, yeah, granted, you work hard. That's a component right there. But luck has to meet you halfway. 
to accomplish the inevitable that many people are trying to accomplish. So let's not downplay the luck. They got lucky. My Buccaneers was hurt. Okay, they got lucky, man. It's it's cool. My Bucks, my Bucks was lucky too. We played Taylor Heineke in the wild court. I beat him, and then we beat the Saints team. Drew Brees gave us that game with three interceptions. And then we go to the NFC Championship game. That was the only game we had to play to really win, and we won. So we were lucky. Right. You know what I'm saying? And there were no fans, right? That was, that was the, the cold year. And the Chiefs had no offensive linemen. Even though everybody still picked them, they had no linemen. So it's like luck is a is a thing. Let's not downplay it. You know what I'm saying? But it go ahead. It's which is crazy. Like, yeah, that was hard. For one, by the way, Jaquise Torres dropped that pass. I don't know if you guys remember the game the other night. The Gibson guy dropped that pass, the interception in the end zone. I thought it gave me memories again. I said, we about to, this is about to be another headache here. Guy drops a wide open interception. Drops it, which, by the way, that's Jimmy Ward's spot. So, Jimmy Ward coming back, that was going to be Jimmy Ward catching that. And, and another thing, uh, Matthew Stafford, like you said, you said everything right on Real Live. Um, Matthew Stafford led the league in interceptions last year. The crazy thing is what people don't understand is, like, like he's going to throw a lot of interceptions all year long. Now, the thing is, as an offense, you got to capitalize on his turnovers. The thing that happens with Matthew Stafford is weird, right? He can throw all these interceptions in the game, and he could be down by four points at the end of the game, and that's the one drive he may not throw an interception on that goes into the end zone. A lot of people don't capitalize on all those interceptions of the game, so it'd be like he had four interceptions. Then be like, he had a terrible game, but they still win. Don't you feel like the same thing happened? Don't you feel like the same thing happened with Patrick Mahomes? Like, he should have threw four interceptions against the Chargers, and yet yeah. Herbert makes one mistake. He threw that interception. That right. one mistake in the red zone, the game was over. He can't afford right. it. Because you give them guys so many points and opportunities. And I'm saying to myself, like, this guy gets all these turnovers. He throws it away. And then if you don't capitalize, all his interceptions go like the default. Even though, like you said, in the numbers, like the stats show that he got interceptions. But they still may win because the offense doesn't, you know, capitalize. That's all. And I think for me, too, and I'm pretty much done with my take on this topic, is that I expect a little bit more from Sean McVay. Like, I, I feel like we exempted him. We never really talked about him yet. We talked about Matthew Stafford and the issues. Let's let's talk about Sean McVay and that guy right there, the quote-unquote offensive guru. Like, yeah, um, you brought in Allen Robinson. And I understand my mans can't separate from a daggone Matt. Like, I get it. He's not a separation specialist. But my mans, I thought you brought him in there to use him in the red zone on one-on-one opportunities. And it's like they wait to the fourth quarter, Okay, where like the game is out of reach and they just throw it up there for him and the passes be way out of it. Like he can't even make a play. So it's like if you're Sean McVay, I expect you, Mr. Guru, to get him the ball and stop trying to feed Higby and Cooper Cup. Like I expect the offensive guru to do it. Like I can understand the Bears. They don't know what they're doing over there. Like offensively, they, don't, they never knew what they was doing over there. I get it. Cool. But an offensive guru, if I'm going to call you that, if I'm going to give you titles here on the show, live up to your title, bro. Get up out of here. Like, come on. So, yeah, I think he needs to take some of that blame because by that Bills game, when they got smoked like that, that was a terrible game that he called. And this one was a terrible game that he called. He got to step his game up. 